If you are arriving late, we, we've literally, for the first 30 minutes, had 16 people sitting in the room, but we're really glad that you're here. I believe God's got a word for, for all of us today as we continue our series, our Christmas series called uh, Christmas in the Neighborhood. I want to encourage you to grab some more of those invite packets, uh, get those out to your neighbors, put a little recipe in there that you can give to them, uh, just some helpful things on how do I reach my neighbors. If you missed last week's message, I talked a lot about that last week, and encourage you to go back and listen to that if you missed it. If you have a Bible, let's go to Luke chapter 2 because that's where I'm going to be. Luke chapter 2. So this series, we're talking about reaching our neighborhoods and literally our neighbors, but also your neighborhood is really the people you do life with. It's it's the place that you live, the, maybe the local store, the, the ball team your kids play on, the practice field you're on, your campus, your workplace. Just think of the people that are in your sphere of influence and that's that's what we're talking about. And I, I believe this message today is specifically for the church. So I'm glad you're here because if we in this room don't do this, no one will. If we in this room do not do this, no one will. This is, this is a message that's not for someone else. Turn to somebody wherever you are and say, this is for you today. Because what happens, I know I've sat out there, I've been in there, and I'm like, oh, man, I just wish so-and-so was here today. Boy, do they need this message today. We've all done that. Uh, by the way, whenever you say that, it's usually the Holy Spirit saying to you, boom, this is for you. So God God does have a word, though, and I, I believe this is really something that he's asking of us as the church, as as. We move through all that's been happening and all that's taking place. God is bringing and doing good through the church. The church has always had its finest hours in the most difficult time in history. So you should praise God that you are born in one of the most difficult times in history. Come on, turn to somebody and tell them this is a good time to be alive. This is a good time to be alive. So many people right now would differ with that opinion. They would say, this is the worst time. Why did I have to be born now? Why did I have to live through this? And God says, oh, guess what? You get to be there during the church's finest hour. So that's what this is about. This is what we're trying to do. So Luke chapter 2, if you don't have a Bible, or maybe maybe you are new to church and you stumbled in here today, made a wrong turn trying to get to the grocery store. We're glad you're here. But Luke chapter 2, if you don't have a Bible, Luke is uh, the guy who wrote probably the classic Christmas story. So if you've heard the Christmas story, this is probably the one that you've heard. Luke wasn't one of Jesus' disciples. He was actually a follower of Jesus, and he wrote the account that the disciples spoke to him and the early followers of Jesus spoke to him. And so he wrote the story of Jesus and this beautiful, beautiful story that we have of Jesus' birth. So I, I want us to look at, though, specifically the shepherds today. And I want to talk to you about good neighbors and good news. Good neighbors and good news. Luke chapter 2, and we're going to start after the birth of Jesus, and this is the shepherds. It says, That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. The angel that appears, and when angels appear in Scripture, it looks nothing like the angel on the top of your tree. I, we have an angel on the top of our tree. She's beautiful. She's got the little majestic. She's got pearls and all kinds of sequins and flowing blonde hair and the beautiful cute wings. That is not the angel of Scripture. Like angels showed up as warriors with like lightning in their fist, okay? They were intense 
and they were intimidating to everyone. There's not a passage of scripture where you read about an angel and somebody went, well, what are you doing here? No, they, they freaked out. They were, they were terrified. But here's the thing that an angel does. An angel really is a represent, representation of God. He goes to represent God. And that's good news for us, by the way, because that means we serve a God who is very powerful. If an angel terrified them, whoo, what is our God like? But here's the good news. The angel reassured them. He reassured them. God is not here to smite you, to strike you dead with lightning, to take you out like, oh, you're going to get it because you're just such an evil person. That's not our God. He comes with power to save. Come on, somebody. Say amen to that. He comes with power to save. That's exactly the good news that brings great joy to all people, the Savior. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. And suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others. Here it is, the armies of heaven. Everything I just described to you, the armies of heaven. Praising God and saying, glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. That's a great prayer for us to pray during the Christmas season. Glory to God in the highest heavens, and God, would you bring peace to this earth? When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Good neighbors and good news. Father, thank you for every person that is represented here today. Thank you for your holiness. Thank you for the worship that's already happened. Church, just right now, he's brought you here for a reason, so just take a moment and just ask him to speak to you. This is your moment to talk to God. Say, so God, speak to me. Thank you, Father, for your word today in Jesus' name. And the church said, all right, the church said, that's good. I'm going to need additional feedback today. Um, we've, all had, um, we've all had a bad neighbor, or maybe you have a bad neighbor. I mean, somebody who's difficult, uh, you know, not easy to get along with. Years ago, when Laura and I first moved to Tulsa, uh, we moved into our house, and then we went directly on vacation right after we, we moved in. And we had two dogs, and we, our dogs were outside. Now, I know that doesn't make sense in today's world because nobody leaves their dog outside, but back in the day, anybody remember, dogs were, they were outside. Like, they, they weren't in our house. They had their own private house called a dog house, but now... I don't know what it is, but do you ever hear a dog barking outside? I don't know. When I hear a dog barking outside, I'm like, what is wrong with those people? That is so cruel. I can't believe they leave their dog outside. But that's what we used to do. And so we left our dogs out and went on vacation. We had some family that was coming to check on the dogs. We get back from vacation, and we're not back for very long, and we get a knock on our door. I open up the door, and there standing in front of me is a man in a uniform, and he's with the SPCA. I'm <laughs> like, um, can I help you? He said, uh, yeah, we've had a neighbor who's lodged a complaint against you that you have uh, ignored your animals and you've left them. And I'm like, what? I'm like, no, no, we went on vacation. He goes, well, sir, I'm going to need to inspect the animals. I'm like, okay. So he comes in and we uh, take him out to the backyard because they're not in the house and take him out there. He looks at the dogs and they're fine. They're fine. They've got food. They've got water. And he's like, sir, I'm, I'm sorry. That's, uh, I, 
uh, sorry to bother you. And he, he, he leaves. Come to find out, it was our neighbor across the street. Now, because we're in church and because I am a pastor, an ordained uh, minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, I will just say that she was an older lady. I'll just leave it at that. Not what i really thinking, what I really want to say about this person. I just, I won't for the sake of being in the house of God. But she was an older lady. We affectionately began to call her cat lady. Anybody have one of those in your neighborhood, okay? Um, there's, and, and I mean, every cat, they're on the roof, they're under the car, they're on her porch, her back porch, they're in the windows. They're, it was creepy cat lady. It was uh, weird. She had all of these cats. She was a lady that called on us. And I couldn't believe it. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. And this went on. And then she began to just watch us. Anybody have anybody like this? She would watch my kids all the time out her window, looking out her curtain. It's like, just had that, you know, kind of evil kind of like, I imagined her in her kitchen stirring the porridge. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying she was like that. Her name was Esmeralda, but I'm, she was not a good neighbor. We've, we've all had the, the bad neighbor, the person that irritates you, that frustrates you, that you wish they would just move, or that coworker, or that person on your campus, you wish they just weren't in your class, or they just weren't around you. But so we can all identify, like we all kind of know. In fact, as I'm talking, I know you're probably self-identifying in your. Oh yeah, that's this person. They live across the street, two doors down. You have that person as well. But so it's easy for us to identify a bad neighbor. But 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 what does it mean to be a good neighbor? Like, what is a good neighbor? Is a good neighbor like somebody who waves? Is it somebody who takes care of their yard, somebody who lets you borrow stuff, uh, to which I would say yes. I mean, that does absolutely make you a, a good neighbor. But as followers of Jesus, we know as, as neighbors, we have a greater responsibility. And, and we find that responsibility in this story with the, with the shepherds. When the angel appeared to the shepherds in Luke chapter 2, uh, verse 10, the angel said this, I bring you, and say this with me with gusto, good news that will bring great joy. Good news that will bring great joy to all people. As followers of Jesus, we have a responsibility to bring the good news to bring what we talk about all the time, the hope of Jesus, the healing people can receive for their soul, the peace of mind that uh, the world so desperately wants, purpose and meaning in their life, like Buddy so eloquently talked about just a few moments ago. We have this responsibility to bring this to our neighbors. So I'd like for you to write this down because this is what we're going to talk about for the, for the next few minutes. A good neighbor. A good neighbor brings good news that brings great joy. If you want to be a good neighbor, a good neighbor brings good news that brings great joy. And in Luke chapter 2, these shepherds, they kind of give us a great example of what it means to be a good neighbor. Go back to Luke chapter 2. Look with me at verse 8. It says, that night there were shepherds, and say this with me, staying in the fields nearby. Come on, one more time. Staying in the fields nearby. They were guarding their flocks of sheep. Like, this is who we are as followers of Jesus. We, we are the shepherds in this story. I said it last week. We are all missionaries on mission assigned to a mission field. You and I are shepherds. And, and, and our mission field is to those who are nearby. Think about this. The announcement, again, 
the announcement of the Savior of the world, like God with us, God in the flesh is here, where should that announcement take place? I'm going to take a stab here in the dark and say, maybe the temple. That's where I would do it. I'm just telling you, especially as a pastor, I go, if if Jesus is showing up in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, I'm like, oh yeah, let's have him come to the church because that's where we need to make that big announcement. But that's not where the that's not where the announcement happened. The announcement about the Savior of the world came in the neighborhood. It actually came in the fields nearby. So what if we, as followers of Jesus, were like these shepherds and we lived our lives as people who are called and who are sent to fields nearby? sent to our, 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 our neighbors, sent to our, our workplaces, sent onto our campuses, into our dorm rooms, uh, the, the apartment that's upstairs or downstairs or across the way from us. What if we began to live that way? And, and how, how would we live our lives differently? When you look at the life of the shepherds, the shepherds, it says this, they stayed. They stayed in the field. In, in other words, they, they, they knew their responsibility. They, they were not going to abandon the, the sheep. Laura and I were in Israel a couple of years ago, and I, we got to see the shepherds firsthand. Now, when I hear this story in the scriptures, I don't know where your mind goes, but my mind had always gone to like a little grassy bluff, you know, and the stars are shining, and it's just a cool night, and they're just kind of hanging out, chilling. That is not even close to what it's like for the shepherds in Israel. When we were on these buses and we were driving through the wilderness, through the barren wilderness, we saw that's where the majority of the shepherds live. They live out in the barren wilderness, exposed to all of the elements and the harsh conditions. Like I have this image in my head that the shepherds are gathered around a fire and they're saying to themselves, I think I'm going to become a barista at Starbucks. I do not want to do this anymore. I just have this feeling that this is what the shepherds are. And listen, God is calling us to these fields that are nearby, but staying in the field that God has placed you in isn't always easy. I mean, think about it. Just logistically, sometimes the house you're in is too small. I mean, you're just people on top of people. I was talking to somebody this morning about that. They moved into home, and they're just, they're just piling family on top of family because they're just out, out, of, out of room. That would make sense to move. Sometimes you're, in a, sometimes you're in a neighborhood that's getting a little bit sketchy, and you're like, I don't know if this is safe anymore for my family. Sometimes you're, you're in a class that you're like, this class is overwhelming me. I don't even know why I got in this class. Why am I in this class? I should get out of this class. And many times you're going to wake up tomorrow and you're going to go to work and you're going to dread going to work because you're like, man, this, I'm in the wrong spot. I don't like my job. This is, this is not fruitful to me. And plus the people that are around me are so difficult. They're so hard. And I just don't know if I can stay here because these people are so ungodly. But But I want you just to think for just a moment, could it be, could it be that God has placed you in that field on purpose for a purpose? Now, am I saying you should never move? That's not what I'm saying. Should you never change jobs or get out of a class? No, no, that's not what I'm saying at all. But, but, but what if? What if, wait a second, what if God was intentional and he placed you in that field? Because here's the thing, I believe is that somebody nearby 
needs the good news. Like they need to hear about great joy. They need to hear that there is redemption. They need to hear that there is peace available. They need to hear that somehow restoration has come for them. Redemption has come for them. And I wonder if God is not calling us to stay in the field. I want you just to encourage somebody around you and turn to them and say, hey, stay in the field. Stay in the field. I want to challenge you today, before you ever move out of a neighborhood, before you ever change jobs, before you ever drop a class, that you say, you stop in that moment and you say, hang on a second, God, have you called me to this field? Have you called me to this ball team that I'm a part of? Have you called me to this job? Are you, God, releasing me? Because I believe absolutely God does release us to new assignments and to new places. Buddy and Alicia are great examples of that. Going out and doing Abba Compassionate Ministries. I've seen, we talked about Daniel Surratt who helped write that song. God spoke to him and he moved to Ohio. I mean, God may move you to another job. He may move you into another neighborhood, but we can never forget that we are those shepherds and we are missionaries and we are on mission assigned to a mission field. The New American Standard, so I I read out of the New Living Translation, but the New American Standard says this, they were keeping watch over their flock. How how many of you have a neighborhood watch in your neighborhood? Anybody? Only only a couple of you. Okay, wow. Literally nobody has a neighborhood watch. Nobody cares. I don't care about my neighbors. I don't care about my neighbors. Uh, (laughs) We we, we don't have one in our neighborhood either. Um, Well, sort of don't have one. Uh, Laura... And uh, our neighbor, Cheryl, are are self-appointed co-presidents of the Neighborhood Watch. Uh, Nobody voted for them, by the way. We don't have signs up in our neighborhood. They just decided that's who we're going to be. And if you want to know what's happening in our neighborhood, you just talk to those two ladies. They can give you the lowdown on everything. Like, I'm not kidding you. Laura goes out to take Otis on a walk. Okay, she's not going out on a walk. She's going out on a watch. Okay, she goes out and she's scouting out. Just the other night, I went out on this watch with her, excuse me, on this walk with her. And and we round the corner. And as we get around the corner, she goes right there. Don't look right there. Those people, there is a lot going on in that house right there. I'm telling you, a lot of cars coming and going. I'm like, honey, you're turning into the cat lady. I think some people feel like they're on God's neighborhood watch. Like they are self-appointed to God's neighborhood watch. They, do you see what they're doing? Do you see the evil atrocities in our world? They're, oh, I know they're smoking them doobies. I know it. I know it. I mean, the truth is, though, aren't we all a little guilty of that? Talking about somebody at the workplace, looking at the neighbor, watching them lording it over them. Mm, Look at them. Can't believe the way they're living. I can't believe the choice they're making. We look at our campus and we're like, man, (laughs) at least I'm not like that. I think we're all a little bit guilty of doing that. But this word watch that we see here in this story, to watch over, it doesn't mean to lord over. It actually means to care for. It's this idea of not being above, but being below, to, to serve somebody, to, to care for them, to, to protect them. I'd like for you to write this down. A, a, a shepherd feeds the sheep. Shepherds feed the sheep. That's something good that they do. So my question to you is this, what are you feeding people? 
What are you feeding people? And Jesus, after his resurrection, he appeared to the disciples and, and he said to Peter several times, he said, Peter, do you, do you love me? And Peter's like, yeah, Lord, yeah, of course, you know, you know I love you. Why would you ask me that? And he said, feed my sheep. And then Jesus asked him again and again and again, hey, do, do you love me? And Peter's like, yes, I, I, I love you. And Jesus says, feed my sheep. I have a couple bird feeders in my backyard. I uh, have a garden, and in the last few years, I thought, man, I'd like to have some birds coming in my neighborhood into the into the garden area. So I got these a couple of feeders. But what I, I I'm an amateur, so I don't know what I'm doing. I didn't realize that squirrels love bird feeders. I had no idea. And man, can they empty a bird feeder in nothing flat? And and I just got so frustrated because I, I would look out there and these squirrels would be on these bird, these bird uh, feeders that I had and just emptying them. I mean, at, at one point I looked out there, he had the lid off the thing and he's just digging like it's a buffet. And he's like, woohoo! Yeah. And he's just tossing it up in the air like confetti. I'm like, you're mocking me. I don't like you. So I, I got these clips and I clipped it closed so he, he couldn't get into it. And Came back a couple days later, and, and he's back on the bird feeder. This time, though, he's hanging upside down, and he's digging it out from the bottom. So now I know as I say that, some of you are like, oh, I've got it. I know exactly what you need to do. Stop. I have Googled. I have talked to everybody about this. I do not know how to solve this problem. I, I, I have tried cayenne pepper because they say birds aren't affected by it, but squirrels are. I had cayenne pepper all over this bird feeder, all over the bird seed. The, the, the squirrel is out there looking at me going, mm, I like it hot. I like my bird seed hot. Thank you so much. He's mocking me. I, and then I was like, you know what? Okay, so I'm, I'm putting Vaseline on the pole because I heard you can put Vaseline and then they can't climb the pole. And I was like, oh, I'm not doing Vaseline. I'm going to one-up them. I'm putting Vicks 44 on that bad boy. So when he gets it on his pilar, he's like, that's so cruel. I'm like, no, because you get it on his paws and he'll be irritated. I look out there and the squirrel's like this. Oh, thank you so much. I have had a lot of congestion lately. It's really helped a lot. It's so frustrating. And I thought, okay, wait a minute. What if I tried a different tactic? I know what I'll do. I'll try a different tactic. And somebody said, if you, if you set up a separate feeder for the squirrels, that helps. And so I did. I put up a completely separate feeder. I got this dried corn on the cob, put it out for them, and it worked. Now, in all transparency, they still, when they finish the corn on the cob and they've got a full stomach, they will somewhat go over to the bird feeder and they will still kind of eat on that a little bit, but nothing like they did before. So I wonder today, who in your life is like that squirrel to you? Who in your life is irritating you? You feel like they're taking from you. They're frustrating you. It might be somebody in your workplace, somebody in your campus, somebody in your neighborhood. It might be the person sitting next to you. I don't know who it is. What is it that they're doing? I, I want us just to, I want you to do this for a moment. I want you to just turn. I want you to share with somebody. Don't give their name, but I want you to say, like, here's what it is. Just briefly, real quickly, turn to somebody. Here's what it is. Here's what they're doing, okay? Turn, share that with somebody. Wow, some of you got it bad. You're back there and you're just like, and then just this, and then I did this, and then there's this. How much time you got? Let's go out in the lobby. I got to tell you more. 
So what are you what are you feeding them? Are are you feeding them disdain? Are you giving them the cold shoulder? Are you pushing them away? Worse yet, are, are, you, are you talking about them when they're not around? Listen, we're all guilty. I think we're, we're all guilty of that. Well, what if, we, what if we changed our tactic, though? What if instead of pushing them away and doing that, what, what if instead we began to feed them and we began to feed them grace? Now, I know I, I, I'm not saying this is easy. And I'm not saying that the way they're treating you is not right, that it's right. It's, but, but what if you change your tactic and you said, you know what? I'm going to, no matter what they give to me, I'm going to give them kindness back. No matter what they do, no matter what they say, I'm going to refuse to talk about them uh, to other people, including my spouse or my boyfriend or my girlfriend. Whew, now, oh, it's getting, ooh, it's getting ugly in here right now, is it not? That is some truth right there. But what if we began to do this? What if we began to give people grace and mercy and kindness and we became the people who brought peace instead of talking about all that's going wrong in our world? What if we began feeding the things that are right? What if we began putting out there those things that people need? I believe that Jesus is saying not just to Peter, but he's saying to you and to me this morning because everybody who's here, I told you, you're here. This is like a disciple moment. Turn to somebody and tell them, you're a disciple. You are a disciple. This is one of those moments. Nobody here is a tire kicker. Nobody here is on the fringe. Nobody here is, you know, not sure. Now, Jesus, nothing. No, you guys are all in. And so if he asks that question of Peter, he's asking it of you and he's asking it of me. Do you love me? Well, yeah. You know I love you, God. Then don't poison my sheep, feed my sheep. Shepherds feed the sheep. Here's one more I want to give you. Shepherds feed the sheep, and this other one I want to give to you is this. Shepherds lead the sheep. You like that? I worked on that all week. It rhymes. It's good. Mm, Somebody say amen. That's good. Yeah, you know the Spirit is on it when it rhymes. Shepherds feed the sheep. Shepherds lead the sheep. Where are you? The question is this. where Where are you leading people? Brad, I'm not a leader. I'm not a, yes, everyone is, you're, everyone is influencing somebody. Everywhere you go, with your words and your actions, every single, right now, your body language, the way in which you're in the house of God, the things you're doing, every person you come across, you are leading them to something. You may not think that, but we all are influencing somebody in some way. That's how our world gets to where it is, and it's why we as followers of Jesus have got to step up and lead the way. Lead the way to the light. Lead the way to faith. Lead the way to hope. Lead the way to the goodness of God. Come on, somebody, that's a good place where to say amen. That's who we are. The Calvary's not coming over the hill. We, we are it. Where are you leading people? So one of the most famous passages of Scripture is Psalm chapter 23. It's uh, one that's quoted so often, and we know it, especially if you are in church. And it starts this way, the Lord is my shepherd. So we know that God is our shepherd, and if God is our shepherd, we're called to be like the Lord. So the Lord is my shepherd, and then it goes on to say this, he leads me. He leads me beside peaceful streams. 2020 has been anything but peaceful. 
It has been wrought with chaos and confusion and division and anger and frustration. And we as followers of Jesus have a responsibility to lead people to peaceful streams. Every single place, in every single environment, you are not there to pile on and poison the stream. You gotta ask yourself, am I poisoning this stream? Am I leading people away from peaceful streams? Or whenever the, whatever the conversation is, whatever is happening, am I, am I the one who's stepping into that moment and saying, yeah, but God. Yeah, but, but let me model and show you a different way. Because as a people of God, if you're not living at peace, if you're not at peace, if you don't have confidence, if you don't have an assurance right now, guess what? People around you, you're not gonna lead them to Jesus. They don't want your Jesus. Oh, that I know that sounds harsh and ugly, but I don't want your Jesus, and you don't want that kind of Jesus. You want a Jesus that in the midst of uncertainty and brokenness and heartache, anybody here ever been through a difficult time? Come on, everybody's had a 2020. Everybody's had a pandemic. And if you haven't, man, get ready, because there will be one that will come in your life at some point. And it will wreck you, and it will push you to your knees. And in that moment, you may have to crawl your way to peaceful streams, but you got to get to peaceful streams. And we have a call and a commitment by our God to lead people to peaceful streams. Come on, turn to somebody and tell them, we've got a call and we got to be committed. We've got a call and we've got to be committed. Peace is not coming on January 20th. Peace is not coming because we get a vaccine. Peace is not coming because your kids go back to school or you go back to school. Peace is not coming because the economy recovers. Peace, this is, peace is not coming because peace has already come. It's already, you don't have to ask for it to come. It came 2,000 years ago. We shouldn't be going, God, please bring your peace. Why? He's like, I brought it 2,000 years ago. Just call upon me. I'm with you. My peace is with you. The angels declared it. The angels said, peace has come. The Savior, the Messiah, the Lord, he has been born in Bethlehem. I want to invite our, our worship team to come. and I want to close with this. When you look out at your neighborhood, it, it, everything... Everything appears peaceful when you, when you look out at your neighborhood. You got that, you got that guy, he's got, a, he's got a neighbor over here, he's got a truck, really nice truck. He's always getting, Amazon's always stopping at his house. I mean, that guy's, that guy's doing good. I don't know what he's getting every other day, but man, ah, it's a nice truck. And man, he's just, guy's doing great. You look at, you look at that Insta story and you see that, that young girl, and, and, and she's just got, she's, she's always at the right party. She's hanging out with the right people, and, and, and she's just, you know, smiling, having a great time. Everything, gosh, I wish my life, why can't my life look like that? I mean, that, she's just got it going on. I wish I, I was popular. I wish I had the, the kind of influence. I wish I had people around me. Man, this is amazing. Every day, something great happened in this person's life. Or you see that old couple that, that they're, they're, he's got the cool sweater on and they're walking that little wind-up dog down the street, you know, and they just look so cute, don't they? So cute. They look so sweet. Everyone is not okay. 
everyone is not doing great. I don't, I don't care what you look at. I don't care what you see at somebody. They're not, if you don't have Jesus, you're not doing good. You're alone. You don't have no hope for tomorrow. You don't know what's coming. That, that, that guy that's got the nice truck and the Amazon packages showing up, what you don't see is him at his kitchen table with his face buried in his hands just going, how am I going to pay for all this? Oh, man, and uh, Christmas, and, and I got, oh, good, another bill. This is great. What I have, I, he's no, does no idea how he's going to make it. What you don't see is that young girl's got the perfect Insta story. What you don't see is her at night sitting on her bed, scrolling endlessly through all of the pictures that she took, like 30, 40, 50, 60 pictures, trying to find the perfect one to post. Which, by the way, if you have a teenager, we need to wake up. And even as adults, sometimes adults are doing this as well. When, when I say 40, 50, 60 pictures, I am not exaggerating to make some kind of audacious flair for dramatic here. This is really happening. Girls are sitting on their beds taking like 60 pictures trying to find the perfect one. Man, if I, if I post this one, maybe this one, because if I post this one, maybe this is the one that, that people will like me. This is, this is, this is the one that, that will, will show everybody I, I, I got it together. This is, this is the one where people will, this one, this one, they'll, they'll accept me. And they post it and then no reaction. Take it off. Put a different one on. Hoping somebody notices them. That older couple that looks so sweet, what you don't see is they go home and they sit in their living room and, and they're just thinking back at all the disappointment in their life. All the heartache, everything that's been left undone and they're like, I guess this is it. Wow. And they're nearby. God has has placed you in the field nearby. I like what it says here about the shepherds in verse 20. It says the shepherds went back to their flocks. They went back. Come on, turn to somebody and tell them it's time to go back. It's time to go back. They could have stayed around that manger. They, they could have just been there on bended knee and been like, uh, I, I ain't leaving. I, I'm this is savior of the world. Uh, you go on back. I ain't going back. This is amazing. I'm in the presence of God Almighty. <laughs> I'm staying right here. But they didn't do that. They went back to the fields. And there's a temptation right now. Today, you have been in the presence of God. God. You've experienced the power of God. And the temptation is just to live in this moment. And what God is calling you and calling me to do is to go back to the fields. As you drive back into your neighborhood today, go back to your neighborhood. When you wake up tomorrow, wake up with new vision in your workplace that God has placed me here on purpose for a purpose. And if he didn't want me here, I would not be here. 
when you go to that campus, when you're, when you're online with that class, whatever that looks like for you, and you see that person, you're like, man, I just remember, no, God has placed me nearby that person because if they've got that and what's happening, I don't know what's happening behind the scenes in their life that's got them so twisted, so angry, so frustrated. And for some reason, I need to be the punching bag. Okay, God, I'll be the punching bag. Why should we be the punching bag? I don't deserve to be the punching bag. I don't deserve this. I deserve better. Really? Come on, church. You chose to follow Jesus, the ultimate punching bag. Man, they just beat him into submission, angry, despised him, crown of thorns, whipped his back, hung him on a cross. He could have just said, I don't deserve this. But he stayed there because of love. And I wonder, I just wonder if we can stay there with the power of God and love.